0: You're listening to the Technology Podcast. On this week's episode, we talked to Max Cheprasov, Chief Automation Officer at Dentsu Aegis. We discussed global digital transformation, AI and automation, and mutually beneficial partnerships.
1: Okay, Max. Um, so just to start us off, if you could please tell me briefly about your career, why you decided to work for Dentsu Aegis.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. So Um, You know, I consider myself uh, a digital native, and I've spent the early years of my career introducing businesses to their first online experience in digital marketing. So uh, what was a hobby for me in high school uh, as a self-taught freelance web designer and web developer essentially turned into a really rewarding career, and I love what I do. Um, And it evolved over the years, but, you know, kind of fast-forwarding to more recent years, I first joined Dentsu in 2014 when... The holding company acquired a company called Cavario, which was an independent digital marketing agency. And it was fully integrated into iProspect, which is one of the agencies that belongs to Dansu and I spent uh, three years at Cavario and then three years at iProspect, um, integrating both teams, uh, building up teams that would essentially focus on uh, business transformation of the operations, um, looking after the operational excellence, uh, introducing new and innovative strategies and essentially, you know, looking at cutting edge digital solutions to maximize productivity and collaboration uh, across the business. Um, And at the end of 2017, I transitioned into this new role as Chief Automation Officer to focus on acceleration of intelligent automation solutions and to promote operational kind of best practices across Denso globally. It was very
1: apparent to me when I was browsing through your LinkedIn profile that you have, you know, significant experience in the tech sector, both academically and throughout your career as you've just gone over. Um, What would you
0: say was the key experience which has shaped your approach to the CAO role? It all evolved very naturally. I've never, you know, in high school thought I'm going to be a chief automation officer. That wasn't a profession back then. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's funny when I kind of look back at, uh, my high school years, when I was sort of again doing web design and freelancing, doing web development, and my 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 relatives were asking Max, um, "Who are you going to be? Are you going to be a lawyer? Are you going to be a doctor?" I'm like, "No, I'm going to be a webmaster." I'm like, "You're going to be a webmaster? What is that?" <laughs> that was back back when you know the internet wasn't really popular at all. Yeah. Um, but um, like I said, it's kind of um, uh, evolved v- very naturally for me over the years. Uh, you know, my my focus and interests have always been on finding new and better ways to service clients and enable employees and not just within my team, but just employees in general and in a business to do their best work, which requires, you know, the traditional um, thinking of, uh, you know, if you've heard of the success formula, of people, process and technology and, and combining them in such a way that they all work in sync and in harmony with each other at all times that's kind of ensures that personal excellence it's just a very simplified formula of course it's not very simple to accomplish but you know it's always it's always easier said than done because there isn't a the silver bullet operating model that magically kind of fits all businesses the same way so there's always a need for creativity ingenuity to design your own unique and differentiated approach and strategy uh, to your business uh to your specifics um and you know, if you want to grow, compete, and win, uh, you need to have that. Uh, you need to have that strategy. So, at the time when I felt that I was about to exhaust kind of all of the traditional levers of operational excellence, you know, if you think about Six Sigma, uh, Lean uh, operations, continuous improvement, Kaizen, um, you know, establishing your PMO, uh, looking after processes um, and SOPs making sure things are standardized, well-documented, understood, people are properly trained and onboarded, all those traditional levers, at some point, when you kind of reach a point where you've done all of that, and, um, you know, not much more can be done to drastically increase efficiency and effectiveness of the business, I began experimenting with artificial intelligence and intelligent automation. So my first AI experience, uh, or AI, I would say related project in the business. Of course, I think we as consumers began experimenting uh, with AI technologies much earlier than we got to play with that technology in the business. Um, So, but my first uh, project was in 2016, when we began experimenting with natural language processing and natural language generation technology for automated data analysis, report writing and narrative insights. So those early AI projects from 4 years ago convinced me and the leadership team that you know this is this is an area that we must prioritize um, as this new set of technologies can dramatically and exponentially boost the performance of the business you know it can enhance employee experience it can improve our ability to service our clients essentially in ways that wasn't possible before so in late 2017 i rolled out this 8 year roadmap from 2017 to 2025 for automation. um, And and we formally established the automation COE. So today we have over 400 people engaged with the COE as part of our global automation community of automation champions and experts. Um, But as far as I'm concerned, um, uh, this is still just, you know, kind of a beginning because the future of automation should be placed in the hands of every single employee. And we have over 65,000 professionals around the globe that we want to empower with virtual assistants.
1: Um, It seems like you can speak from a lot of authority, and I'd like to find out what your approach to leadership is and
0: what you think effective leadership is, especially during these very challenging times. Yeah, you know what, that hasn't changed over the years, maybe, um, you know, as as technology evolves, uh, some, some, you know, hard skills evolve, but in terms of the, what I consider to be the essential traits of effective leadership, um, to me, uh, personally, can come down to three things. One. Uh, is trust and transparency Uh, second is clarity and third is execution so one of my favorite business books uh, is the five dysfunctions of a team uh, by patrick lancioni and you know one of the five foundational dysfunctions on any team is absence of trust if there is no trust teamwork you know is impossible you know the best teams are those in which team members are open with one another they're ready to disclose their thoughts and feelings they can share ideas openly, they feel comfortable and safe to admit their own shortfalls or mistakes. Um, They ask for help, they give and receive honest feedback. Uh, But in turn, that transparency builds up the confidence and trust among the team members that, you know, their peers and leadership's intentions are good. Second is the clarity. And without clarity, it's like driving your business somewhere without a GPS. So clarity is, you know, determining uh exactly what results you want to achieve whether it's on a project or a strategic objective uh or as a business um or or a professional goal but you need to have that clarity to know exactly um you know how you intend to reach those goals um you know with clarity and purpose you can pull together resources ideas and you know energize people behind a common cause but without that there is no destination and it will be just impossible to create amazing results But after trust, transparency, and clarity, you know, all comes down to execution. Execution is everything. Otherwise, it's just all talk and no action. And, um, you know, I got my MBA from the university that was established by Jack Welch. As I'm sure you know, Jack uh, was the chairman and CEO of General Electric between 1981 and 2001. Mm. And under his leadership, the company's value rose like 4,000%. Um, for this and many other reasons, he's considered to be the world's most respected and celebrated business leader of all time. But during his time uh, at GE, he used a very simple framework um, that he later taught in school, uh, which I got to learn from him directly, which was um, a framework applied to evaluating talent. And this framework was still, uh, you know it's still being used today. I still use it, um, and it is based on five traits uh, of leadership. It's energy, an ability to energize, edge and ability to execute and passion so execution is the most important one of those and um this is how this is how well you deliver results you know being able to execute means having the ability to get the job done you know if you you need to have positive energy if you can energize everyone around you you know you need to you need to make hard calls but uh, you know you need to get across the finish line essentially and being, a- being able to execute is, you know, is a, is a unique and distinct skill. It means that the person knows how to put decisions into action and push them forward to completion uh, through resistance, chaos, you know, unexpected obstacles. But people who can execute know that winning is about results.
1: And of course, the flip side of that is that behind every great leader is a even greater team. How would you describe the workplace culture of Dentu Aegis?
0: Uh, You know, I've been asked this question before, uh, <laughs> I think we're unique unique culture, and one word to describe everybody in the business, you know, across 65,000 professionals, we're entrepreneurial, just by nature of how we've grown, you know, Denso has grown over the past um, uh, three, five years, primarily through MA and and acquisition. So we acquired a lot of businesses and a lot of entrepreneurial, uh, you know, founders and, and and people that they hired. So that might be hard to comprehend, given that, you know, Denso is kind of a global business with over 65,000 people, but we operate with, you know, we operate without borders and limitations as one denser across 145 countries We're where highly collaborative team of highly intelligent, optimistic, and passionate people working together and willing to take, you know, calculated risks to achieve impressive results for the business and our clients.
1: Now, Max, you joined in 2011 as part of the iProject. Um, in what way would you say that Densu Aegis as a company has changed since then?
0: Yeah, so uh, like I was saying, we, we, we made over... 150 acquisitions in the last five years and, and growing our innovation capability, talent and scale. Um, Densu is made up of entrepreneurs. It's a very diverse and inclusive workforce. We believe that you know diversity drives good innovation and we have clear targets to ensure our talent is made up of rich diversity. and so this' is essential to how we operate. And, and in the words of um, a Densu executive here, uh, there is no future in sameness. Um, a creative product, for example, needs diverse thinking, diverse diverse skills and ability to mix and match you know, for their occasion. And we embrace and actively promote this diversity in the way we think about talent and teams. What would you say, in your point
1: of view, is the company's greatest achievement to date? Uh, the company's
0: greatest achievement or my, my greatest achievement? Um, I'd be more than happy to hear both. <laughs> uh, well, I think the company's greatest achievement is just how quickly it's able to grow and integrate all of our, the companies uh, and take advantage of all this talent that we have um, and create these impressive solutions uh, for our clients. We kind of operate in a very fast paced uh, environment um, as it is, but you know, there was a period of time when we were adding about three agencies a month. so. Uh, you know, getting to, you know, meet all these new people, get to uh, brainstorm with them about new ideas. That was uh, definitely an advantage. But for me, personally, what, you know, makes uh, me consider, you know, what's my biggest success, um, I would say it's, you know, nothing makes me happier uh, than kind of receiving positive feedback from customers about the quality of my team's work. At At the end of the day, I think it's, you know, my team's accomplishments, whether it's on a team project or it's, their individual achievement. Um, It's the team's accomplishments and results is what defines whether I've succeeded or not. So in that respect, you know, I'm proud that my teams, you know, over the years have had some of the highest employee engagement and client satisfaction scores. And, you know, I'm most proud that, you know, many of them have, um, you know, learned new things along the way and have experienced career growth as a result of working on some of the most innovative projects that we've we've, um, collaborated on.
1: My next question was going to be asking um, how the development of automation technology has influenced your career, but I think it'd be fair to say that automation
0: pretty much is your career. Would, uh, would you agree? Um, it, yeah, I would say automation is something that 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 is a natural evolution from operational excellence. Um, well, I think there automation is a lever within the operational excellence. Uh, You know, my, my early exposure to AI capabilities and experiments, you know, with the emerging automation technologies was like a breath of fresh air. So I was sort of transitioning and evolving my, um, my career from uh, an operational lead uh, to embrace the technology and find a way to integrate it in such a way that just, you know, that nobody's never done before. So it was, it was a new horizon and of the sort of the never before opportunities for the business. So, uh, you know, the traditional operational workflows are no longer sustainable. The workforce is changing rapidly. It's more digital, more global, connected, and automation savvy. So um, very few global companies are ready to manage a workforce with people, bots, and AI working side by side. But many, obviously, studies and surveys and and white papers support that um, half, if not more, uh, activities of a knowledge-based worker in a business, you know, in the office could be automated today using uh, today's technology. Just imagine what this technology can, will do for us in the next, you know, even 12, 18 months. It just continues to evolve so rapidly and you constantly need to stay on top of it and figure out how do you connect that and how do you integrate that into every process, into every, um, you know, operation within within your business. So, you know, for me, it was sort of matter of demonstrating to the leadership that a this technology actually does deliver on its promise and b um it can scale um, from there it was sort of a matter of setting a vision and outlining that strategic you know road map from 2017 to 2025 and you know because this was a completely new set of capabilities within the business um it required you know a new c-level executive to lead it and that's uh, i had to create a new role for myself as the chief automation officer so I think it's just more of a natural evolution.
1: Now, when I spoke to Leo Liu, who was, um, who was over in Dentu Aegis APAC, he was describing to me that the branch had been undergoing a significant amount of digital transformation. Um, is this similarly true for North America?
0: Yeah, I mean, we have several global transformation programs underway across America, CMEA and APAC, uh, which is you know aims to evolve how we work. And it's in response to client demands for, you know, higher, higher levels of agility and consistent operational excellence. And so we've invested in world-class delivery, you know, which is defined through five dimensions of process efficiency, measuring performance, uh, the right mindset and behaviors, and enabled by high-performing organization that is focused relentlessly on client value. So. Of course, digital transformation and intelligent automation underpin all these global transformation programs for us.
1: Could you please uh, tell me a little bit about the Automation Center for Expertise, or of Expertise, sorry, Uh, why it was founded, what its goals are, and how it's been achieving them?
0: We, our simple way to explain our mission, uh, we say internally that our mission is to elevate human potential at Dentsu we want to enhance our employees experience and make our teams highly efficient, productive and happy. For example, if we can augment somebody's day to day job and optimize a repetitive uh, process or reduce and completely eliminate the unnecessary manual, repetitive uh, routine tasks, approvals, bottlenecks, idle time and such things, then, you know, if we can automate the entire process end to end, then we can give that time back to employees to handle more critical tasks that cannot be automated uh, such as creative critical strategic thinking complex problem solving innovation and just anything that requires soft skills and collective social intelligence but most importantly i think i believe that these technologies will free up employees to develop and acquire new skills for the benefit of the business and our clients
1: and if we can go into more of the technical side of the automation itself how has the company been using ai ml IPA, RPA, to augment the employee
0: experience? Yeah, in various ways, but we look for ways to simplify how we do what we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, When my team finds an opportunity to improve somebody's way of working, uh, we get to work and apply various automation techniques, uh, whether it's ML, IPA or RPA, but the end goal is to reduce or completely eliminate the manual work by optimizing the process as much as possible at first and then accelerating the rest using the most optimal combination of available AI and automation technologies. It's not—it's not always, uh, you know—it's not always just applying RPA to everything. Uh, mm. It's—you it's, really need to understand what's the best application of, uh, you know, what are the strengths and weaknesses of each of the AI technologies, and how to connect them in such a way that you get the best results uh, in the long term. But you know, so far we have built up a global community internally of over 400 automation champions and we have over 300 RPA bots in production today, which are helping you know, execute various jobs. Uh, we're also successfully leveraging AI-based solutions for data analysis, data transformation, work orchestration, resource planning, document processing. Uh, and we also do computer vision-based process mining and process discovery, which uh, helps us accelerate, identify places where we could apply automation. And we have some very ambitious AI projects in the works that we will be announcing pretty soon as well.
1: Um, I think we do have a section coming up on projects. But are there any of those that you'd like to mention at this stage, those projects that are upcoming? Uh, Nothing that I can disclose yet. Mm. Very soon. (laughs) Lovely. Well, uh, we'll keep an eye out for those. other companies I've been speaking to um, who have really got a handle on automation have been saying that it's very necessary to move beyond the standard automation to achieve an even greater level of customer service. Um, that includes applications that are like um, NLP, OCR, visual agents, chatbots, etc. Um, I assume that Dentsu
0: Aegis also adopts a similarly innovative stance. Absolutely. Um, if you think about where we are with respect to the level of adoption of AI and automation technologies that you just mentioned, you know, in within the business in the office, um, we're in very early stages and I don't mean we as Denso. I mean, within every enterprise, uh, if you look at the diffusion of innovation curve, anyone who has moved beyond the early experimentation and the proof of concept stage and is scaling these technologies, there is still. In my mind, there's still an early adopter, which means that we haven't crossed that chasm yet. And there isn't a widely accepted blueprint available for the early majority to adopt, but I think we're pretty close. Um, But all this means that the race is still on and you can't leave any of the emerging technologies and opportunities untouched. And we continue to experiment with all of these technologies. Um, We continue to look at who is an emerging player uh, um, you know, there's a lot of emerging startups and uh, they have fantastic way to apply AI to different problems in the business. So we try to, you know, look for them all the time. We try to figure out how do we connect the ones with the most potential to our overall business strategy.
1: And is working with startups something that you're actively encouraging? Does Dentsu E just try and acquire them, for instance? Um,
0: we we have a Dentsu Ventures uh, group uh, that, uh, that does look at AI startups. Um, and, uh, I do know of some investments in that area. Um, but the primary reason that we want to, uh, find somebody early enough, um, because that's been sort of our, our way from day one, and it's been very successful for us, because if we find, um, someone who's, uh, developing a solution, that's really, you know, going to Uh, set us apart from our competition, and we can be sort of the first ones to experiment with it and and plug it into our business and and, and develop a partnership and relationship with that company in such a way that we can uh, provide, you know, valuable feedback to them about their product, then it kind of benefits us, it's a mutual two way uh, relationship and partnership. So I think it's important, you know, with so many emerging AI startups right now, it's emerging to know who is who, um, and, and figuring out you know what the technology can or cannot do for you.
1: And before we move on from the topic of technology, um, what do you think will be the technologies or maybe
0: the innovations which will um, really take the company forward? Yeah, so the number one obvious trend right now within automation is a concept called hyper-automation and democratization of AI. So the future of automation should be placed in the hands of every employee. Uh, converting employees to citizen developers, giving them access to low code or no code platforms and provide, providing the necessary training and support will lead to unprecedented, unprecedented efficiency gains. And will unlock the full human potential in my opinion, to develop the never before experiences and solutions for themselves and our clients. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I would identify as a top trend in technology is multi experience. So with so many people who will likely continue to work from home now, and uh, I think the conversational platforms combined with AR and VR technologies have the greatest opportunity to offer new immersive experiences and and really change the way people perceive the world and interact with each other. And these platforms can change um, and transition the user experience from what we're used to in terms of using the monitor and the keyboard to a conversation with a virtual assistant in the mixed reality world. And these technologies have so much untapped potential in my opinion, to just dramatically change how we shop, work, play, and how we experience and perceive the world around us. The third one I would say is you, know, you can't overlook the opportunities that will arise from practical blockchain. We began looking at blockchain uh, a couple of years ago, almost as early as we began experimenting with AI. But I think that's something that will be scalable in two to three years from now. Right now, it still remains immature for enterprise deployments just due to uh, a range of technical issues and limitations, but blockchain definitely has the potential to reshape industries uh, by enabling trust, uh, providing transparency, lowering costs, and uh, reducing transaction settlement times and improving cash flow.
1: Moving on now to the partners which are really facilitating the change which is happening at Entoegis. Yeah, I understand that Fortress IQ, UiPath, Catalytic some of the key partners who are making that happen. Um, would you mind briefly outlining your relationship with them and why they're so important?
0: Yeah, these are great partners and they have great technologies. Um, most importantly, they were founded by the visionaries and hired the best people to bring these visions to reality. Each one of them played a critical part in the evolution process of our automation COE and continues to play a critical role in our future success. Um, and as I said before, we partnered with them when they were, uh, much smaller, uh, and and were considered to be startups. And for some of them, we were uh, a first client. So when you think of which key partners to bring on board, uh, you, you need to get to know the founders and their key people first, because evaluating the technical aspects of the technology is secondary to that. That technology will continue to evolve. But if you and your partners don't have a shared vision, if you don't speak the same language, then their product will not evolve in the same direction where you want to take your business. But, uh, you know, Fortress you, UiPath and Catalytic definitely were part of the um, uh, group of uh, our partners that again, we we shared, we shared had a shared vision from day one, and uh, again, they continue to play a critical role in our future success.
1: And following on from that, are there any other companies who provide an essential digital uh, solution to Dentuegis that you'd like to expand upon?
0: Yeah, we're, like I said, we're constantly evaluating emerging tech players and testing the fit for our vision and the fit for our use cases. Some of them become our partners, some get acquired by complementary platforms, but most Uh, you know, just don't make it beyond the seed round. I mean, if, you know, don't most don't even have the AI technology. They claim they do. So you have to evaluate the technology very carefully as well. Uh, I, I saw a report recently, uh, that close to 40% of Europe's AI companies. Don't use any AI at all. They claim they do, but, but most of them don't. And I think globally, that percentage is much higher in my own experience. And talking to a lot of companies um, since 2016 that claim that they have AI they really don't have it most of them don't but vCS as you know VCS can you know continue to pour more and more money each year into the AI startup space there's some really good companies out there you just need to find them um, 18.5 billion dollars was raised in 2019 and that was a new funding record for AI startups in US. The biggest challenge here is not to miss the opportunity to partner with somebody early enough to have the first partner advantage, uh, because then you can really increase your own competitive advantage and offer new solutions to clients before someone else does. And there is no second place in AI, the way I like to say it, because the winner takes all. it's It's a winner takes all kind of game.
1: I see now what you mean by you've got to really pay attention to the market and know who's out there.
0: Um, Out of interest, how do those
1: 40% in Europe, um, like convey themselves as AI based companies, if they
0: don't have any? Oh, that's, you know, from all my conversations, uh, what it comes down to is uh, once really good marketing groups in those software companies realize that AI is the new uh, fad, it's a new hype. Uh, mm. You know, it was pretty easy to reform it, reshape your content <laughs> on your website to say, well, you know, if if I've, if I've got some uh, statistical model or I've got, you know, something that's auto, sort of automated in the back end in my platform, I can claim that I have AI, you know, it's, uh, mm. y- you know, if they're hosted on Azure services, maybe that was another way for them to say, oh, yeah, we're an AI company. Uh, so I, I think it was, it was, it was great. I mean, I I think that's that's what happens with most companies. They just basically um, reshape um, the same sort of value proposition um, and the old value proposition and just integrate into it some AI keywords and uh, that makes them look uh, like a new company. But in reality, they're not. It's still the same old technology and there is no AI in it.
1: Oh, I see. Um, Now moving on to some projects. I saw when I was doing some research that you're an executive sponsor for CSR initiatives with Autonomy Works. Um, Would you mind explaining for our readers the objectives of this work?
0: Yeah, Autonomy Works is a unique company with uh, a uniquely talented workforce. Their goal is to create uh, new job opportunities for individuals with autism and, and similar disabilities. So at Dentsu, we recognize society as one of our key stakeholders and that we should have, you know, we should hold ourselves accountable for improving the communities that we live and work in. So we partnered with Autonomy Works in 2018, uh, and it was a simple way for us to make a difference in the life of someone living with autism while also providing a crucial service to the business. Um, So the world of digital operations, obviously is, is transforming with new technologies and autonomy Works supports a lot of digital operations for us and for our clients. And, um, you know, that transformation includes artificial intelligence and automation. So one of our key objectives right now is to upskill the workforce at autonomy works with the necessary automation skills to accelerate the work that they currently do for their clients, but most importantly, enable them to offer new solutions for their clients
1: now going on to challenges now a lot of companies are talking about the new normal or about how businesses will need to adapt to um, to meet the current circumstances we need to work under um when i was speaking to leo in just uh, apac he said that um things were kind of they were set up very well remotely and that it hadn't been much of a challenge at all is that something which you agree with or do you have a roadmap yeah. for the changes uh
0: no our top priority throughout this covid-19 crisis is obviously the health and safety and well-being of our people and their families, as well as that of our clients and customers in our communities. And so the fundamental principle, um, you know, it's shaping our response to to COVID-19 and with the working life of our people disrupted, uh, we've reacted, you know, at speed and at scale. Our teams remain connected through our uh, collaborative work platforms our new business teams have quickly adapted to hosting and winning pitches virtually. And, you know, we're supporting our clients to ensure that they can emerge even stronger, you know, post crisis by providing rich consumer insights and adapting our services to support their evolving needs. And
1: has the last couple of months shown any aspects of the business that you think the current market difficulties um, have, you know,
0: demonstrated that needs improving? we we actually just launched the latest uh Dansuages Network Global Thought leadership Report called uh, Tech Clash or Tech Love Connecting Beyond the Crisis um you should definitely uh, read it because you know it's based on our annual Digital Society Index survey of 32,000 people across 22 markets and this report focuses on how our relationship with technology has changed during the crisis and what this means in the longer term and some of the key messages in the report, I'll just highlight them, um, you know, for you here, there's a lot mm. of key messages, but one of them is, you know, that obviously the COVID-19 crisis is forcing us to reevaluate our relationship with digital technologies as we embark upon a mass social experiments uh, to live online, leading to primarily, you know, positive sentiment towards the impact of technology. Uh, and this positive use of digital technologies takes place in the context of a longer-term backlash against them for example 57 percent of the people today believe the pace of technology change is too fast Um, now to help the brands understand how consumer behavior will play out beyond the crisis we identified a handful of consumer trends related to brands use of technology and for example uh, the digital do-it-yourself consumers are using technology today to become more self-sufficient and focused on self-investment across a whole range of hobbies and activities enabled enabled by brands who have pivoted towards empowerment and self-care um, the unified self uh, the more time we spend online for work and pleasure the more integrated consumer personas are becoming across different platforms and context uh, and then every brand is a health brand today accentuated by the crisis two-thirds of people globally will expect that future products and services to be designed in a way that enhances the health and well-being, so to address these shifts in expectation um, and help secure a long-term shift to uh, you know, a long-term shift from techlash to tech love, brands brands need to take a number of actions, and one of them, for example, is creating a helpful um, experience. Pivoting towards using technology in a way that is helpful in meeting fundamental human needs, in particular, as it relates to our well-being, as as broadly understood. Uh, Be available, not omnipresent, and rethink personalization strategies to be more context-driven in identifying the different points at which brands can make themselves available to help consumers. And then, marry increased uh, commerce capability with brand building. Uh, and combine the functional benefits of scaled e-commerce with brand building that appeals to consumers that are hungry for authentic, empathetic and personal engagement. That's great. And now looking ahead
1: to what you think the company will achieve in the rest of 2020 and then beyond into 2021, how do you consider, Max, that just will uh, come to meet the rising challenges of a technologically challenging sector?
0: So we announced uh, the transition to the new business model in 2019, um, and that is progressing really well. Uh, It's aimed to reduce the complexity within the organization and the associated cost in order to improve our operating margin over the medium term. But it also ensures that our services are easier to navigate and globally consistent. Um, So we're set up to help our clients um, to win Uh, win, keep, and grow their best customers um, by by being data-driven, tech-enabled, and idea-led. And our transformation puts the client at the center of, uh, puts them at the center by becoming a fully integrated business uh, capable of delivering market-leading, integrated solutions. And so as we look ahead, um, you know, we continue our journey of transformation globally, and automation, uh, you know, will help simplify our offer Uh, to deliver world-class services and integrated solutions, you know, tailored around the client need. Um, The the, the importance of working together and collaborating here is essential, particularly during the period of disruption.
1: And for the purposes of the article, when I come to write it up, is there a key message or theme that you'd like to emphasize?
0: Yeah, uh, I'd say every business today needs to have an AI and automation strategy and plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, the. Those who don't need to have one very soon, if you want to, if you want your business to remain competitive, uh, that's been my message for the past two years, I would say, and I think today we reached the point um, in the evolution of intelligent automation when you can no longer delay this decision. Uh, I read a recent report from Genpact, and based on their research and survey of top executives around the world, they predicted by 2025, AI-powered companies will be ten times more efficient and hold twice the market share of organizations that fail to embrace the technology today. Um, and it's not like something you can just plug in and uh, or, or turn on, you know, as a switch. It takes years to transform your company to adopt AI and automation technology, uh, especially if you're a large global complex business. Um, you know, and and you between now and 20, 20, 2025, you have five years left. So. And this isn't, of course, the only report that supports that. There is there is a lot of evidence online that you can find, but um, most companies struggle with getting started. So um, my recommendation is doing three things if you want to get started. First, you know, talk to the top AI and automation companies. Talk to at least you know at least twenty of them to just um, understand what they do and and to find the right correlation of information that clicks with you and your business. And then. Um, because, you know, all those companies will have a wealth of knowledge and, and, and information and global partners that can help you get started. So you should just begin talking to those companies. Second, you know, obviously talk to to their clients and to those who have been um, through this journey already. Those who have been, um, you know, at this for, for some time to get their perspectives on what worked and what hasn't. Uh, and you no longer need to repeat the mistakes of early pioneers with these technologies you can just ask them for for their uh, case studies. Two years ago I would say that was still not possible. Um, and finally just you know do your own research online. there's you know, lots of very useful resources and white papers online from reputable consulting and advisory firms and um, yeah that's that, that would be my, my recommendation to getting started.
1: That's great. Well, uh, that brings me to the end of my questions now, Max. Um, well, thank you so much for your yeah. time, Max. I really appreciate it. It's been a total pleasure. And I, I look forward to passing on the completed work to you.
0: Yeah, thanks, William. Really appreciate meeting you and look forward to uh, seeing the results from this. Indeed. Take care, Max. Right. I'll speak to you Cheers. later. Okay, Bye. bye.